Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by awesome co-hosts Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I am doing well, and always making sure now to carry an extra tank of gas in my car. I have been inspired by the game that we're covering today. Be prepared. And Laura Nash, how are you doing, Laura? I would be doomed to the apocalypse if we had to drive, but it seems like the future is maybe some kind of train, so I'll be fine. All right. And this week we are talking about a game that was recently recommended by a longtime friend of the show, Christian, aka Indie Game Enthusiast or IG underscore enthusiast on Twitter. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, Christian, for recommending yet an- another totally awesome game. And the game we're talking about this week is Far Lone Sales. Christian, you've done it again. This is awesome. Yeah, he found a game that was basically 30 different things that we like in a short game in one game, and you can play it in three hours. And uh, everybody who played it, uh, all three of us, we're like, ah, yes, we see why Christian recommended it for our podcast. Within moments. It was extremely our shit. <laughs> it is extremely our shit. It is made in a lab to be on our podcast. Yes. I was like three minutes in. I was like, cool. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. I'm digging it. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is a really neat game. Um, I'm going to give sort of a high-level overview of it before we dive into talking about our experiences with it. But um, Far Lone Sales, that is Far, semicolon, Loan sales. Wait, is that the right is that the right punctuation? Let's just talk about this now. <laughs> My biggest quibble is the name of the game because I cannot remember it. Right, like, it's it's not it's, the greatest title. It's far and it has the word sales in it. We've called it Farlorn, like far forlorn wolf. At one point, I called it. <laughs> why not? I'm getting far. shades of Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons again on this. <laughs> just. A name that doesn't mean anything. I think I think in terms of like bad titles, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons is just slightly worse than Far Lone Sales. Far Lone Sales is a accurate name in terms of tone, but it is just so very forgettable. Developers, yeah. you don't well, need a two-part title if this is a, unless it's a, a you know a recur a new game in a recurring series. You know, if this was Battlefield Lone Sales, then yes, I <laughs> sure use use the thing. But you could have just called this Far, or you could have just called it Lone Sales. Either one of those would have worked. Why did we need both? Now I have to say Far Lone Sales a zillion times in this episode. What have you done to us? You wouldn't have known. If it wasn't for the title, we wouldn't have known that you had to travel both far and while using your loan sales. So, well, it's very literal. There's actually like one three mast, sales, but there are multiple sales on <laughs> there that are, mast. That's so true. It's, it is loan sales plural, but like it's also like you're a loan sales. Yeah, I don't, yeah. It's I don't. It's not a good title. Also, for sales being in the title, there like a quarter of the equation of what you're actually like they're actually the least thing that you manage in this game too is the sales if it said if it was like shitty engine <laughs> i think that would have been more no abzu it's not like <laughs> sail your boat on a sea of pirates and avoid fishes that is not what this game is yeah, far they're... hope it don't break <laughs> that would have been more <laughs> busted vehicle <laughs> so far is a i don't want to call it a platform game because there's not really a lot of jumping on platforms but it, it is a game in which you are traveling it is a journey uh, from left to right, 
Uh, it, so in that way, it kind of reminds me a lot of games like Inside. You're a character going on a mysterious journey across a ruined world, and uh, it plays out mostly in a sort of 2D or sort of, I guess, 2.5D-ish uh, kind of um, layout. Uh, but the twist or the, the thing that makes this game stand apart from games like Inside is that in this game, you're not just running, jumping, solving puzzles and making your way across this world. Um, you have a super cool car. <laughs> yeah, like uh, a machine that is, um, I mean, on the screen, your character is what? Maybe a 20th of this overall screen tiny. size. It's tiny. Um, and the, the the car, the machine, the the train thing is half the screen. Um, so that is, that is it dominates most of the landscape. Um, and, and so that is your main motive of movement is making this car go forward. Yeah, it's about sort of driving this incredible, uh, and fairly complicated uh, conveyance. This thing that looks like a gigantic uh, train engine crossed with a sailboat, crossed with a tractor, uh, it just sort of trundling across this sort of deserted, ruined landscape um, and trying to make sure the thing doesn't break down, trying to keep it running. That's sort of the, the, the core of the game. It's a road trip to the right in which you don't exactly know where you're going and it's not like you stop at destinations along the way although there's puzzles it's not really like you go to a land and then you explore the land no you're just trying to get your car through and there's a <laughs> wheel in the way or a propeller in the way or your sails don't fit and you need to get that bridge to go it's it is a game where the main objective is to move forward and not in a mario way like it literally is all you're doing and it's pretty desolate outside but it's not like um, a scary game like we've had in some of the other ones it is inside-y and in you move to the right but it's not gonna give you nightmares it's got a little girl in a big colorful coat but it's not little nightmares yeah <laughs> you burn I thought... things but it's not little inferno <laughs> I thought um, I I, I kind of felt like some similarities to um, journey in that way where, you know, all you know is that you have to keep moving forward. It's way more linear uh, than Journey in that you just are moving left to right. Uh, where Journey is, you know, in a 3D space. But you don't know anything about who you are. You don't know anything about why you're moving forward. You just know that you need to continue to move forward. Um, and the world is sort of the most interesting thing about this. I mean, actually... The, the 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 vehicle and managing the vehicle is is really fun and interesting and, and mechanical. But the most interesting thing from a sort of an atmosphere perspective is just like the world around you is is telling a really interesting story. You know, it's this totally ruined world full of wrecks of giant machines, full of uh, dry lake beds or seabeds. Uh, it's empty of people. Uh, it's clear that there were people here and now they're all gone. And so it's this really interesting, like, what happened here? Why is this world like this? And why is this little person? I kind of assumed it was a little girl, but that may not even be the case. Why is this little person 
uh, driving this massive machine across this wasteland. It's sort of mysterious and atmospheric and really interesting. Kept me kept me involved in the whole process the whole time. Yeah, and you don't even um, you don't even you don't start in the car. You just start moving left to right, and then you find it. And I, we really got to decide if we call it a car or a machine. I think machine is more. Uh, I think we fitting. can call it a vehicle. The, the developers <laughs> yeah. on their website call this game. I think this is a great phrase. I'm sure they labored over it for for probably years. It is an atmospheric vehicle adventure, which I think okay. captures the game really well. It's extremely atmospheric, and that's sort of the main draw. Uh, the vehicle is your main interaction, and in terms of what type of game this is. It's really hard to put a label on it, but I think adventure is as close as you could probably get without without making it quote unquote like you know like LucasArts style point and click adventure. Yeah. It's an adventure yeah. game, but it's not an adventure game. Something that really bothers me in most post-apocalyptic games is that you either are spending all your time on survival, and that means killing things, or you're spending a lot of time on uh, investigating what happened. And this game isn't really super concerned with either. It really is a game about momentum moving forward and unlike a lot of games that get very pretentious where you're just sitting and watching things happen and you don't really have to take a active choice in anything, you're kind of just letting the game happen to you. This game forces you to actually manage your vehicle. You're constantly trying to Know, change levers and move forward. Like you have to do things in this game to move forward, and you can zoom out and see the landscape, and you can kind of, when things are peaceful, enjoy the pace changing. But it really isn't one thing or the other. It doesn't just make you sit and wait and think about the end of the world, and it's not saying every two seconds you're going to die. This game is not about killing you every five seconds. Yeah, it is yeah. about you moving forward. Yeah, there are no enemies in this game, which is like... I keep comparing it to Inside because I loved Inside, and I had I felt like there was a lot of shared DNA here, but one of the biggest differences is Inside delighted in killing you, and that was part of the fun of the game was that the, the, the world was out to destroy you, and the deaths of that game were amazing. This game, there are no enemies, and there's almost no ways to die in the game. It's, uh, it, it's mostly just a matter of... Uh, getting your machine across the landscape, and that's the whole challenge. Um, maybe we ought to go ahead and talk about managing the vehicle, the machine, because that is sort of the meat of the game. Um, when you start this game, like Nate said, you're not actually in the machine. You're at what looks like a grave, and then you go from that grave into a house that is full of plans and schematics. And it's clear that whoever lived here was an inventor and was working on a gigantic machine. And you find the machine itself and you climb aboard it and off you go. And it starts off relatively simple. It adds systems onto the machine as you go. But the the main kind of core stuff that you start with is your gigantic machine, your locomotive-like vehicle, has a boiler that you can put fuel into and it has a button you can hit to start it yeah and it, the fuel though is your standard back to the future style junk thing where you can basically put anything that you can grab into to burn or whatever it does yes it has a mr fusion fuel yes everything burns yep and 
Something I really appreciated about the ship was no tutorials. You just start pressing buttons and figuring out what each thing does, and you can screw it up, and that's great. Yeah, I didn't even realize for sure that I was in, you know, I'd seen the images of the game that you're in some sort of vehicle, but didn't even fully realize that I was in the vehicle that I was going to be controlling until I really started uh, getting going with it. And, and just in case you're having a hard time, like, visualizing it, this the the game you're controlling this little person. It's all side scrolling left to right, and so whenever you're inside of the vehicle, it does the sort of what's the word I'm looking for like vivisection cut or away. cut away, where like cut yeah away. yeah the side of it is is transparent. And you see into the uh, the vehicle, and this is where Reagan was kind of talking about kind of platformy, um, where the the areas of the vehicle are separated. And you actually have to travel with your little character from the boiler over to the other things. And I know you were listing them off. So, so. so something about that, according to the uh, Gamma Sutra article about this game, one of the inspirations for it was a book that I had when I was a kid and loved, which was um, Incredible Cross Sections. Do you remember those? The, the books cross section the, not vivisection that's what yeah I was thinking. <laughs> yeah the vivisection is very a different, very different right? thing <laughs> I would play a vivisection game uh, incredible <laughs> cross sections was these great series of books of like like it'd be these gigantic full page illustrations of like the Titanic cut in half so you could see a cross section of where all the stuff was inside it that kind of thing and so you're essentially playing in a cross section of this gigantic locomotive vehicle. And so inside it's like a little tiny miniature platformer level. You're constantly running from room to room or, you know, from space to space within the vehicle to try to keep the various systems of the vehicle running. It reminds me of two things. One also, uh, one of my favorite movies live aquatic with Steve Zizow Mm, when he says, let me show you my boat. And they go through all of that awesome scene. Also, if you uh, follow the games that we cover, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Oh, good. Yeah. Not exa- not exactly the same, um, but pretty similar. And it's yeah, like no, a I didn't think about of- that. You're right, because that has the same kind of mechanic of like uh, you, you control a character within a vehicle and have to rush from place to place within the vehicle to control the various parts of it. Exactly. Um, so like the the button to start the boiler is a gap away from the button to load fuel into the ship, all which is on the second level of the vehicle. So you can make that jump from the boiler section where you start it and where you release the steam as well as apply the brake over to where you add more fuel. But if you are below, you actually have to hit a little button on an elevator or time your jump perfectly to go up to the second level. So there's a lot of like, in the moment finesse platforming that isn't incredibly difficult, but if you mess it up, it can make you like you, you fall down a level. You have to get on the elevator and you try to get up there to do the thing. Yeah. And the, the, and the, the worst punishment there is that it can cause your vehicle to stall and lose speed, which, you know, isn't a major consequence. Uh, you're not, your character isn't dying, but part of the joy of this game is like figuring out the systems of the, of the, uh, of the ship or, you know, whatever, uh, well enough that you can then get your vehicle up to speed and cruising along. And you're just doing little bits of things at perfect timing to manage the, manage the steam, manage the boiler, manage the, the fuel, uh, you know, keep the, 
keep the like throttle pressed or whatever, whatever you call it. Um, that feeling of like being like mastering the vehicle and, and moving at speed with it across this beautiful, if desolate landscape, that's really cool. Like that's something that I, I mean, inside didn't have that. That's really a great feeling in this game. Yeah. And once things are really turning along, that's the times when I would hit uh, the top. I was using a controller and Mm. I was kind of zooming out and looking at the landscape and enjoying it as we puttered along because I knew nothing was going to be on fire in the next 30 seconds. So I could kind of enjoy the weirdness of the world and and take a look outside. You can't do that when everything is sparking, but... Yeah, I, I don't think there's any other game that is like this. When that when you have everything going like that, it just feels so good and so strange and so satisfying. I think of like I, I can't think of a specific example, but there's all those movies of like uh like steampunky sort of things where there's like that weird engineer who's pulling a ton of levers at the same time and like th- throwing coal into the thing and everything is like kind of on fire, but also running at perfectly at the same time. You just feel like your whole vehicle is falling apart and you are just barely keeping it running. It is so much more interesting that they play with scale and that you're controlling this by jumping up and hitting stuff with your head and, you know, pulling like pulling levers with your entire body. And the fact that the fire hose is pretty much your entire size. And when you shoot it out, it's four times bigger than you. That's so much better than if you were in a tiny cabin and trying to do it, a you know, a very small scale pulling a lever you can handle. It is so much more fun for it to be big. Yeah, it's like it's like space team. But if your phone was the size of your house, like. <laughs> it's it's space team is great yeah it's such a really neat such a really neat mechanic and i love that they continually add new systems to your vehicle as you go i i don't think this is too much of a spoiler to talk about some of these because they do come a little later in the game but um obviously the the first one that you get which is sort of the the name of the game is that you're you equip your you know you're, you're starting to run out of fuel and you equip your vehicle with sails and the sails only work if there's wind, but if there is wind, then you can turn off the engine of this of the the machine and just sort of let it run. And those moments are probably the most quiet zen moments in the game. It does a really great job of sort of going back and forth between these like frantic engine management, my stuff is on fire parts and these sort of chill, oh good, everything's working again, and I can put up the sails and just glide on through a beautiful landscape. Balancing those two kind of vibes back and forth was something this game did really, really well. Yeah, it's like, you know, in those um, games, uh, Brothers has it, but I think Journey has it as well, where they put like a park bench in it uh, for you to sit and sort of just like soak it all in. I always think of Ego with that. Eco, yeah, in between moments of stress or meditation rocks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that, but it's built in. Uh, I mean, I guess technically you don't have to unfurl the sails, but you probably should. I think Uh, if you don't use the sails, you'll probably run out of fuel in those lengthy, like, uh, open spaces. And man, you you know, well, you got to put the sails then. I mean, and people are going to talk a lot about level design in the puzzles when you kind of hit a stopping point and have to get through. But a lot of the careful tweaking that made this game great was 
when they have the wind blowing in the right direction, when you can put the sail up and relax, what they put in the background at that point, and then when they have the wind reverse direction or have rain or hail or something else come in that makes it a much more intense uh, moment because they control that stuff beautifully. And that's what makes this feel like a, a journey instead of just a series of random events. This would not be half as interesting if it was roguelike random. I think they've really carefully designed when everything happens so that you have much more of a curated experience. I hate that phrase, but it's well, very, very tweaked. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels almost like it's like generated like, okay, here's a farm that I'm going through. Here's a, there's windmills in the background, but I, I think it, it is, it is by choice. Everything, the the sun is setting. You go through a night phase. There's a storm with the lightning. Everything is very specific, and I think it's the it's a it's a decided pacing. You can choose it a little bit how you will interact with these things, depending on how well you run your vehicle. Are you keeping it at a good speed? Or are you constantly letting it boil over and die? Um, things like that. But for the most part. I think they have a general idea of where you're going to be and what it's going to look like and the speed that you're going to move. And it feels really good all throughout. Something I really loved was uh, how they balanced having something that's very muted and very industrial feeling. And then they've got these giant splashes of color, usually to tell you what to do. Like, hey, there's red. There's a red hook. You should use that red hook to solve this puzzle it's yeah. red and it's right there and everything else is in this muted color <laughs> but it's not it's muted but it's not just grays and blacks they put sunsets in they it's a dystopia but it's not just ugly and barren it's actually and it's a really beautiful post-apocalypse they've got a lot of the nice colors from like alto's adventure in there it's not quite as uh fluorescent but it's got a lot of personality and i i i'm just maybe sick of dirty dystopia and there's so much smoke in this game it's pretty dirty but like it's not like filthy gross dead bodies everywhere yeah I don't want to go into too much before we get hit the spoiler break but it, it looks like very early on it sort of becomes clear that like this is a world that had an ocean and now the ocean is gone so there's these things that seem to have once been islands uh, little pastoral islands that are now essentially just hills, beautiful green hills in a sort of dusty brown sea of sand. And it's really picturesque while still being like kind of distressing to see like oh, this, this place dried up and you know blew away. There's nothing here anymore. And then you start seeing these massive machines that, you know, you, you have to wonder, okay, were these massive machines uh, were these part of the cause for the the ocean drying up, or were these part of their way of handling that after after it dried up, but not quite enough? You know, it's it's really um, mysterious, uh, and it it does continually sort of drop hints about what the history of this world is. Uh, never quite so much that you feel like, oh, now I'm getting the exposition, but you really do kind of pick up a lot of detail about like what happened here, what happened in this world. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about inside and I think that is 
the the game that makes the most sense visually and the fact that you're moving left and right but tonally and atmospherically Laura you already said it if you happen to have played uh, uh, Little Inferno or Human Resource Machine um, it, it feels like you are in that world you don't the know. realistic version. Yeah, maybe of that a little world. less jokey, but I totally know what you mean. And yeah. How that black snow, there's a part where this, you know, black tinted snow comes raining down from some industrial machines, and that's from Little Inferno too. Like it's Yeah. It's an image that's in both. So we were starting to kind of list off some of the like ship systems, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about some of the others that we haven't really mentioned yet, just because there's so many little – the ship gets expanded and, and modified and new, new doodads get added to it. And so many of them kind of add some new twist to – you know, some new thing that you have to manage as you're rolling along. Um, you know, obviously, the we mentioned that the ship has a sort of fuel converter that turns things into fuel for your boiler and the, the you know, basic system of like press a thing to, to throttle up and a brake um, and the sails – but then there's other stuff that gets added on as you go. There's a uh, um, two types of repair that you have to do on your ship. So you get a, uh, a fire hose to put out fires and a little sort of, I guess, welding device to help if you get these sort of electrical sparky problems with your ship. You have to go and use the sort of welder on them. And uh, both of those are fun to use. And anytime something would go wrong with the ship, it was a matter of like, okay, do I have time to like let it ride and continue or do I need to go fix this thing right away? Um, and then uh, later on, you add this cool vacuum to the back of your ship. One of the most time consuming things early in the game is having to stop the ship to go out and get fuel walk it back into the ship one piece at a time because you can only carry one at a time and then put it someplace where you can store it until you're ready to burn it. Well, getting the little vacuum saves you having to do that. You can just roll over or something and it goes straight into a little holding room. You still have to go and put it in your fuel bunker or whatever. So um, am I forgetting anything cool? Uh, there's some winches on oh. the front and the back of the uh, of the vehicle that you'll use for various winch uh, you know things pulling things or pulling yourself towards things um, as you would expect a winch to do and if you want you can use those little hook winches to pull the vehicle along you go incredibly slowly but there are some situations where it's convenient to be able to literally get out of the vehicle and like pull it backwards five feet that kind of thing yeah Honestly, one of my favorite things about the ship was there are these hooks everywhere that are you know, for decorative purposes and you're picking up stuff everywhere. It's a lot of stuff you're supposed to burn, but sometimes you pick up something that seems very you know, antique in this dystopia, very handmade, very curated. And you can, you know, keep your potted plant or your sailboat and, and hoard them where you can burn them. Or the radio. I loved the little radio. The yeah. radio, you can, you can hang lights up so that your ship isn't quite so dark when you have nighttime. Like it, it's, it feels like a way to make it your story. Yeah. And there's not often a lot of opportunity in these kind of games for that. Yeah, the hooks actually, like, they have a utilitarian purpose. Yeah, there's hooks in almost all of the rooms, but particularly there's hooks near the fuel system because you can put your fuel on those hooks and then you don't have to jump over it every time you go from one place to another. But you're right, there's, there's hooks in the, uh, like, in the entryways of the ship. And there's hooks in the bedroom. The ship has a bedroom. It's the only useless room in the ship, except it's so cute 
that she has a little bedroom in her ship and you can go and hang things up in the bedroom. I loved that. I put the the little um, radio and a potted plant in there and those stayed with me for the entire rest of the game. Yeah. It is also, if you start the game, if you have to stop and restart, you start in the bedroom, like mm, getting true. up in the room. Um, yeah, there... It, there's so much like like a strange amount of customization for what you're actually doing in this game and it's all if you want it or not uh, because any item that you can pick up can also be consumed for fuel so like there's a chair that starts in your room and really early in the game I was like I need more fuel so I burnt the chair up and I was like dang it <laughs> I wish I still had that chair in my room uh, so I also put the radio in there um It'd be interesting to see who, like, the different types of things people decide to put in their room. And the room has some, like, art on the walls. What I love about the... So the ship is so obviously, like... This little girl did not build this ship herself. You know, you start the game standing in front of what appears to be a grave, probably, of your father. And... Because there's a little... There's a portrait of a man at the grave. And then the ship, if you go outside the ship... Uh, on the on the prow, there's a cute little stick figure drawing of what looks like an adult man and a, and a small child. And inside the uh, inside the ship, there's that bedroom that's clearly been decorated for the child. And there's something kind of like sad and touching about this. You know, the it's clear that like this this child and her father or whomever built this machine together to take a journey together and that didn't happen you know something happened to the father and she's going on alone and that was poignant right from the very first moment and it added this little little emotional dimension to the game that like looking at something like inside which while i love that game so much like there's it's it's a bit more mysterious as to like what is this kid doing why is he going here why is he going from left to right you don't know why the little girl is driving this gigantic machine across this barren landscape, but you do kind of know sort of what started that journey. Like there was this, there was a plan with her and this adult, this probably father figure, and now he's gone and she's trying to continue it alone. Side note, I was doing additional research while you were talking and found out her name is Lone. Oh, <laughs> I was like, is it a girl? And it was like, her name is Lone. You know, oh. they don't give you names for almost anything in this. Um, I wonder where, they probably did hide that someplace. I found, probably. I found that, so the, the company that made this game is called Okomotive. This is their first game. Um, and there are some subtle details. For example, at a later point in the game, there is a area where you can see sort of a gallery of mach- of paintings of machines and the machines have labels and there's a painting of your machine and it is labeled Okomotive. And so the, the vehicle in this game, uh, they don't call it this on the website for the, the company, but the, the vehicle is called an Okomotive, um, which I think is a cute name. Uh, there's a lot of like, it's clear they thought about lore and then kind of decided, well, we don't need to like drop a whole lot of it in this game. Yeah. Let you find it for yourself if you want to. Right. Or, or not with like with the name, yeah. uh, like loan. I don't know where we would have spotted that in the game, but I guess it's nice to know. 
Makes me feel a little worse about making fun of the name of the game. No, I don't know. It's still pretty bad. No, it's no, still pretty bad. It's still, no, it's still yeah, bad. Yeah, that doesn't change it. Although, now, like, lone okay. sales is now, I guess, like uh, a description she of the sales. action of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or lone sales. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a colon. <laughs> lone sales far. Yeah. Would have made more sense. Yeah. Um, oh, it's Dr. Langelop all over again. Yeah. Uh, so we've talked a lot about uh, running the vehicle um, and kind of what gets you out of the vehicle. There, there's there's two things that primarily get you out of the vehicle. One is you need to get more fuel, but also there are pre-constructed obstacles. Um, you might call them puzzles. Some of them are more puzzly than others. Some that just basically require you to get out of the ship and press some buttons. But they are, I believe, dedicated pacing things, as well as something that give you a little bit more to do than just running around pressing buttons in your ship. I know there's other games that have done this, and it's just that this happens to be, and this is not a great comparison, but this just happens to be the one that's in my brain because I've been playing it lately. Um, This has that kind of titanfall 2 kind of vibe where you have a gigantic machine and you have a tiny person and you have to get them both from point a to point b and so often tiny person has to go places where giant machine can't go or giant machine has to go places where tiny person wouldn't be safe Um, and so knowing or discovering when you need to get out of your giant machine and uh, do something as the tiny person versus doing things in the t- in the giant machine is the game. Like, and all of the obstacles are mostly things where it's like this would be not an obstacle for tiny person on her own. It's only an obstacle because you can't abandon your your vehicle, and your vehicle is too large to fit through a lot of spaces. Yeah, they have little tiny barricades. So if you decide the solution to a puzzle is to run to the right and you're going to hit some kind of tree that's going to keep you from moving. Yeah, I found so eventually they, you hit a you hit an invisible wall where Lone just stops walking. Yeah, they usually stick like a stick in the way or something that you just hit. But it's, you know, sometimes the ship will, at an appropriate speed, just ram through things. And sometimes you'll hit it and you'll stop. And the answer is to build up all your speed and hit steam and ram through. And the other 50% of the time you do that and everything in your ship catches on fire <laughs> because they're like, that was not the answer to the puzzle. No. But but I'm telling you, sometimes it is the answer. Like sometimes there I There were a couple of times I, where I got stuck and that was all it was. I just didn't I was think to ram it. I was too far to the left and I needed to move forward and hit an invisible button. I was like, oh. Yeah, I or found that most of the time... If Lone, as we now know her name to be, had was involved in the puzzle, you would see little ramps and little things on the screen. It's almost always get out of the vehicle and find a little tunnel or a little series of ramps to go up and press a button. If there were no ramps visible, then I knew I just needed to get more speed with <laughs> yeah. my car. And that that like concept literally never failed me <laughs> i was right every single time yeah not not a like difficult puzzle game uh, you know they you, you notice that they did not call it a puzzle game in the in the description on their website the it's mostly just about um you know finding ways to overcome obstacles i wouldn't quite call any of this puzzles it's just obstacles but interesting obstacles still yeah I, and uh thematically very interesting it'll be like a giant abandoned 
buildings or crazy radio towers or all the stuff that you would, you know, want to kind of explore a little bit in a post-apocalyptic game. And we um, talked so much about, you know, post-apocalyptic, industrial, all the stuff, but one of the things that I was so taken by in this game is the sound effects. Not mm. The music is good. It's got great but sound. But there's just... It's so rich, and it's sometimes all you're hearing is the sound of the steam going off and the fire, you know, these little tiny sounds of you. Everything you move makes a noise, and it sounds your ship is just terrible. It's like always falling apart, it's clanking, Creaky. and it sounds like a really dirty car. It's but then, but then you hit so those like hearing. straightaways, and there's wind, and you put the sails up, and you hear that wonderful sound of like wind in the sails and the sort of and creaking back and forth of the wheels and. And there, there's a there's music that plays. I think only when you're really going, going. yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and it just feels great. It, it it's a really, it's probably the most atmospheric part to me. The colors and the backgrounds are really terrific, but for me, the sound is what really took me on this game. It is it is a beautiful game, but yeah, you're right, absolutely great sound, and the soundtrack is also very very good. Um, I haven't actually downloaded the soundtrack. They have a, a pack where you can get the game plus an art book plus the soundtrack for a little bit more than the cost of the game. And I kind of wish I had done that because the soundtrack to this was really, really nice. I'll try to put as much of it as I, as I can manage into the episode. Um, it's it's just a really nice, um, I guess I would call it sort of uh, uh, modern classical uh, sort of soundtrack. Yeah, actually... Um... Uh, Laura, you said Alto's adventure earlier in the game, mm-hmm. and I get a little bit of that when you're w- the the music that plays when you are really trucking along feels similar to what's happening during Alto's adventure. I, I love that they do have different music, not just for different levels, but for different speeds. And so when you are really really rolling along, you get this very happy music, and then when you're stopped at an obstacle, it changes. And if you have lit everything in your entire vehicle on fire, the music is super intense. There's all <laughs> yeah. these clanging noises, but it's it, it's very uh, you know the not only is the music super uh, super high strung, but the edges of your screen go red. It, it they say atmospheric, and it's not one atmosphere. Um, shout out to the credits actually include all of the different band members who do the music, including a fugelhorn player and a mandolin and a double bass, which I didn't know was a thing. I love the word fugelhorn. Just love it. Fugelhorn. Yeah. By Fornat Hoffliger. Nice job, Fornat. Nice job, Fornat. Fortunat. Fortunat. Fortunat Hoffliger. Nice job, I'm sure he's listening and appreciates our call out. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the sound, the music, the visuals of the game, all of it was really, really good. Um, I, 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 I hesitate to say much about this before we hit the spoiler break. Um, I think there was a lot about this game, particularly early on, that grabbed me in a way that, that few games like this did. I don't think it's, it nailed the landing in a, in a way that, in quite the same way that we were constantly comparing it to Inside. I don't think it quite like nailed its third act the same way that Inside did, but what game possibly could? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't played Inside, but the last act of of Inside had my jaw on the floor. This, yeah, 
and controversial though. Not everyone liked the ending to Inside. I, I know I, we loved it. <laughs> I loved it, um, but it is it is a particular way to handle the ending to a game, um, and they went for it with Inside. They did. So. This game is this game still has a excellent has what I I consider a really good ending. But it's not it's not the like jaw dropping ending of something like Inside. Um, but I don't think it is ever promising a jaw dropping no, ending true, whatsoever. True, you never expect to be. You know, it is not Westworld. No, this game is not about the twists. It is about. It's a little more like Journey, and like you know, the journey is the destination. You the, you will stop. That's not a spoiler. You, the game has to end. Yeah, it's a good ending. We'll talk about it post spoiler break. We'll we'll talk about it after the spoiler break. I don't want to talk too much more about the ending, um, but it's it's a it's a great game start to finish. The game is three hours ish, um, which uh, is, and it's available right now on Steam for Windows PC and Mac uh, for fourteen ninety nine. And the developers have said that it is also coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, although they don't have a date for that yet. So, you know, question marks on that. It'll probably come out on those platforms, I would guess, sometime this year, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I played it on Windows. It ran great. Um, Nate had some trouble with some bugs, so he might might be worth avoiding the Mac version if you have access to a Windows PC. Yeah, I had no problems for the record on my Mac laptop, but I know that Nates were kind of <laughs> game game breaking. So I've held off until the very end of this because I really, really enjoyed this game, and I don't want to um, let my individual experience because it could be my computer. Though I have not had problems like this before with games, but the ending for the game for me was when the map glitched out and my car, my vehicle, just over the edge, just down into an endless well of white space. Nate showed me a video of this, and while disappointing, it was hilarious. Yeah, I've got some very funny videos. It happened multiple different ways. I tried a lot of different things to make it not happen, and I just continued. It was just the world ran out, and I just (laughs) fell forever. Into white Uh, heaven. Yeah, exactly. Um, So You won. You won the game, Nate. I can't believe that... All of us got the bad ending. Yep. It was a very uh, avant-garde way to end a game. I So I don't let it discourage you, but it is going to uh, make it where I am not going to be a part of the post-spoiler because I'm going to try it on a different computer and see if I can still finish it or or what. I don't, it, it's just a, such a strange issue. Um, yeah, try it on Windows if you have the option. Um, or, yeah. I mean... I would be willing to bet that the PlayStation and Xbox versions are probably coming along pretty soon. So mm-hmm. um, if you don't have or aren't really like into playing on Windows or on, you know, I don't want to risk running the Mac version that apparently works for some folks and not so well for others. Uh, maybe there'll be a bug fix by the time you hear this. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, maybe wait for the PlayStation version if you are uh, the patient sort. Um, yeah. And, and despite my experience, I, I do really recommend this game. I assume that I'll find a way to finish it um, either uh, with a different machine or um, I might send like my videos to the dev team or something. See, like see if this is a known issue because I really enjoyed this game. 
it, there is we we play a lot of unique games on this show, and I think this really we have compared it to other things throughout this entire episode, but I really don't think any other game that we've played feels the same way as this game. Nothing plays like this, and the the when you're really going, it's only like there's another game to compare it to it. It kind of feels like Sonic sometimes <laughs> when you like, like when you really get rolling, you know, like momentum. Like there's just so much going on in this game. You know, I would I would play a Sonic game with no obstacles and just lots of fun. <laughs> just going, yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it, there's just so much going on with this game while also being like beautifully empty and, and I don't know. It's it's a real success, and I hope it it is a success. Uh, because the developers really tried something with this game, and I, I really recommend it. I hope that everyone plays it. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're getting really well, well-deserved well good reviews, and I do know uh, this is good hope for you, Nate, for finishing the game. They've already sent a couple patches through. One of them was just because uh, the music you hear on the radio, uh, somebody came up and said, we own the copyright to this and was taking down video. So they've already updated. So there's different radio songs. Oh, oh uh, funny. So I, I know they're really paying attention to people reporting stuff. So yeah, hopefully, uh, uh no one else is getting your abyss, but maybe <laughs> someone reported your abyss and you'll get maybe it'll money. be fixed. Yeah. So before we go to our spoiler break, uh, we have been at the end of each episode recently been adding a segment that we've so far been tentatively titling what's making you happy this week. So Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I recommended TV the first week for killing Eve, but I have been looking for a replacement, uh, happy, everyone likes each other sitcom. Uh, I ran out of Brooklyn nine, nine. I've seen parks and rec many times, basically anything Michael Schur has made usually. What a, uh, what a roller coaster of emotions with Brooklyn nine, nine though. Right. <laughs> I know the it cancellation was and then dribble- picked up. Yeah. Yeah. In the same hours apart. Yeah. Uh, not even enough time for me to tweet on Twitter, but in my search. For oh, I found time. <laughs> <laughs> I was a couple hours behind, so it was very much like scroll up. Oh, yay, it's already been renewed. Yeah. But <laughs> what I'm actually recommending is the sitcom Superstore, which I wrote off as a stupid comedy. I mean, it's on NBC. It is set basically in a Walmart ripoff. It's set in St. Louis, right? That's it's the set same. in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. The- <laughs> it's set in like a walmart clone in st louis and it's just about people who don't really like their job and i thought it was going to be full of jerks and the weird things that are associated with like oh we're like working class people no it's just like a bunch of people who hate their jobs and are kind of assholes who hang out at work all the time it's great i really you know everyone's charming there's got a lot of chemistry some people have bought into it um it's a good ensemble comedy, and I really feel stupid for just ignoring it for three seasons. Wow. Well, uh, your last recommendation, Killing Eve, was so solid that I might have to take this one, too. Um, what's making me happy this week was that I, uh, on a whim, on a bored whim, I decided that maybe I should check out the Yakuza series, which is a long-running series of uh, sort of action brawler 
uh, sort of adventure story driven games from, I guess Sega is the publisher, not the developer. I don't know who the developer is anyway. Um, so it took me a while to figure out like, okay, where do you jump on with a series that has seven entries in it? And all of them are pretty big, long games. And so I decided to jump in with uh, Yakuza Kiwami, which is a remake of the very first game and is only 20 bucks on the PS4. I think they were you know, making a wise decision there to try to bring people into the series with a modern remake of this old PS2 game that uh, is you know, inexpensive, and but it's really, really nicely produced, well, well done game. I'm really liking it a lot. Um, it's... The main character is so over the top, like hard ass Kiryu is this very hard ass Yakuza type. But you know the 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 story is uh, is this wild over the top Yakuza you know mob story, um, and he's this incredibly violent guy. But they really want to make sure that you like him, so they do things like, for example, in the first third of the game, he rescues an adorable orphan, and then not ten minutes later. Uh, rescues a puppy from being stoned to death by mean, bad mobsters, and then gives the puppy to the little girl. And it's like, okay, Kiryu, we know that you're a Yakuza with a heart of gold. It's so over the top and so silly. And yet, it's like, it's a lot of fun. Of a kick the, it's the opposite of a kick the puppy moment. Oh, really? Is You the, actually save the puppy moment. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's super fun. Like... I, I didn't know this was what I needed. I kind of downloaded it because I was like, oh, that's cheap and I've got nothing to do right now. And I'm really digging it. So I don't, I'm probably not going to play all seven 60-hour uh, Yakuza games, but um, I, I enjoyed saving the dog. It was fun. So I've got my 20 bucks worth. Uh, Nate, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, I've got something that's been making me really happy. I got a uh, a new little uh, a musical toy here. <gasps> it's... It's a, uh, I know what that it's, is. It's by a company called Teenage Engineering. It is a little. Uh, they make a whole series of these things called pocket operators, and it is a synth and drum machine that can fit in the palm of my hand. They've built the entire case, the entire um, sort of all, all the mechanism is built into this LCD display. And so it looks like a super old school like calculator. It looks like uh, a just, broken Nintendo Game and Watch. That's it does. It it's like an exposed chipset, uh, but it's actually a sixteen note sequencer. So this is the P zero twelve by Teenage Engineering. So this is just like a really simple beat that you can do with it, though. Oh, it's got uh, blinking lights. Now that's exciting. Oh yeah. So well, it's a sixteen uh, note sequencer, so you can see it's running the sequence on the board. Oh, neat. And then it's got different functions you can or uh, effects you can patch in. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I have seen so, some videos of pl- folks playing around with those. Uh, they have a whole series of them, and you can apparently daisy chain them with chords so you can yep. have them all play together. They've, you can make some really, really neat chiptune music with those. 
Yeah. I believe I solved a puzzle involving those at an intern puzzle day in Seattle for for Microsoft. Oh, neat. (laughs) Yeah. Those are really, really That's, cool. Nate, I'm glad you got one. You'll have cool. to send me some, some, like, make some piece of music for the show and send it to us. And we'll, we'll yeah. include it on this or a future episode. This is just the drum uh, machine. It's just called Rhythm. But I'm going to get more of them. And, yeah, you can daisy chain them. Uh, so a fun little thing about them. So it has a little LCD display where they all have these, like, little characters. So... It has a sewing machine on it. That's and why? Little, I don't know. It's amazing. This little guy who every sound you make, it, it like has a little visual of him like hitting little hammers on things. It also <laughs> has a clock, and this thing can act as an alarm clock. Nice. So. <laughs> Useful. That makes it a practical <laughs> purchase, right? Yeah, exactly. It was it was worth it. Uh, so this is making me super happy. Man, me too. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us this week on The Short Game. If you're interested in sticking around, we will have a spoiler section post uh, post right now. Uh, so thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game, which is a great place to let us know what games you think we ought to be playing. So thanks again to Christian on Twitter. That's at IG underscore enthusiast on Twitter for recommending this game, uh, which we totally dug. Thanks again, Christian. Uh, If you want to be like Christian, drop us a line on Twitter or on our website, www.theshortgame.net, where there's a contact form and you can let us know what games you think are short and good. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And ladies and gentlemen, here it is, your spoiler break. So what do we think actually happened in this world? It seemed like the... Ocean is dried up, but it's not as if there's been, you know, nuclear fallout. There are rams. There is some, there's no people whatsoever, but it seems like this girl's been abandoned almost or that the landscape is desolate. Like maybe everyone has moved on and she couldn't leave for some reason. Like my headcanon, this is kind of dark. Like her dad was sick and she stayed with her dad until the last moment. Yeah. And then she took off after everybody else. It seems like so uh you know you start the game in that area that seems to be like a uh, uh like a dried up sea. Um at first I you start seeing these gigantic machines that turn to be the sort of super tankers with legs and I thought oh you know they mechanized to the point of killing the world but actually I think that the machines with legs came later. It seemed like it was a sort of like, well, the world dried up. I mean, we've seen global warming, like, and you need landwalkers because because there's no boats. boats. Yeah, you can't you can't go from place to place on boats anymore. So they've got these gigantic legged boats. And the machine, there's one part where you go and you get your wheels replaced and they give you the achievement, Pit My Ride. <laughs> and to me, that was literally a place to convert sailboats into cars. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Or, yeah. Repair or conversion, at least, yeah. So I think that the girl's dad was one of the inventors that helped create those gigantic legged boats. Because when you get into that one gigantic legged boat, um, there are portraits of the dad 
and his Okomotive, the one that you're driving, along with what looked like another inventor, and it showed like later models were the gigantic legged walking super tankers. And I got the impression that the uh, the dad of the main character had some kind of falling out with the the super tanker inventor guy. He wa- I may I don't I, maybe I'm inventing all of this myself, but it seemed like he wanted these smaller wheelie things like what you were driving, and the other guy wanted these gigantic super tankers or something like that. And they had some kind of a falling out. And well, I guess we see how that turned out because there's dead super tankers littering the landscape. That's funny. I had a much more peaceful one where I thought. You know, perhaps that your dad invented the little one, and as you know, because it was not as you know, the oceans drying up was just affecting smaller areas, but then like it affected larger and larger areas, and you needed the big land cruisers to get everyone out. And you're just kind of like last, you know, captain on the Titanic, last one to leave the ship. You're kind of the last boat out, or the little ones mm. for the little people, or the last people remaining are taking the little ones forward yeah i i think it's hard to really guess um but it does sort of seem like i mean we should talk about the ending itself like you know where is she going for all of this time while she was trying to get to the ocean i loved that last scene's like oh there is still an ocean and just as the credits are as as it's sort of fading out and the credits starting to roll like she she's her her boat is dead. She lights that pyre at the end of the dead beach covered in dead vehicles. And at first I thought like, well, that's that's desperate. That's desolate. There's all these dead vehicles on the shore. But then there's the, the foghorn of a ship. I'm like, oh, she was just trying to get to, you know, pr- there's, somebody's there to pick her up. That's so funny because I saw all those dead ships and I thought – Oh, they're abandoned ships because there's something there's a harbor or like there's a there's a hope like you don't need the ships anymore. Yeah, I I, like, I was I saw those dead ships and I thought abandoned. like, well, this is terrible. Lots of people have died here and she's going to die I here thought too. I news at like summer camp where like a long time ago everyone got to this point and then they like giver style like got off the raft and ran or something yeah i i i, I think it does have a giver, sort of a I I, the, the only thing i think that made that left me feeling hopeful at the end of this was that foghorn sound at the end when she's lit the pyre and i thought well fuck <laughs> and then the foghorn you know i i love that like i was comparing the ending of this end end of inside but they both end on a beach like i was like yeah. oh neat well i guess i did Maybe it's because my backstory was for the dad was hopeful, was like evacuation mm. and everyone's out. Like it, it made me think she's maybe not the only one. She's just the only she's one. She's not left. the only one left in the world. She's just the only one left on this continent or something like that. Yeah, because she was with her father and he was, you know, leading the you know, evacuation or something. And now it's now, and then he died. Mm-hmm. And so she has to go on her own on the journey. And I think it was funny because you get to go light your lighthouse pyre, whatever you want to call this. And there's just this bird there and it clearly starts slowly panning out. Like this is the end of the game. And I was like, ah, it's just going to be me and this bird. I was like, (laughs) I was like, Hey, at least I get to hang out with a living creature, and then the bird flies away. No, <laughs> I was like, no, my bird friend. So they let you move around as it fades to black. Uh, they give you complete character control. So I kind of like 
It's like, oh, wonder what happens if I put like, there's a big pile of, there's fuel left by the pyre, which is another hopeful thing to me. Like they give you fuel mm-hmm. to put it. So then I put all of the fuel in the fire and I was like, oh, I'm a jerk. What if someone else comes? They're going to die because I wasted all the fuel. And then I thought to myself, like, oh, I, I could have just stood there and let this be a peaceful moment. But this game has taught me that I need to continuously be doing something. <laughs> Continue to burn <laughs> So things. then I just kind of jumped around for a bit like a goof. But I did the same. A, yeah, when they let you move around, like you can just do stupid stuff or you can have a meaningful moment. But it's just a, it's a funny thing that they let me have like a, a weird character beat where I was like, ah, maybe... Maybe I can just fill this up and it'll give me a different ending. I don't no. think so. But yeah. No. Yeah. Why? I, I loved the ending though. I, I really, really liked it. I I I when I negatively compared it in com- in contrast to uh to Inside, that is only because I think Inside has one of the best endings of a video game ever. This game had a fantastic ending for this game, and I really, really liked it. Um so I absolutely encourage Anybody who likes the sorts of games that we like to to play this game, it's great if you have, haven't already. And um, I don't Before know if I have... wrap up, how sad were you when the ship broke in? Oh, half? God. That's... Did you know what to do next? No, I, I was like, oh, no. Am I going to have to walk the rest of the way? And then I, I finally figured out that you could kind of still get it to run. And I was like, oh, this is painful. This is so painful to see. That was... I walked all the way to the right until I hit branch and was like up oh, nope you're not supposed to do that yeah <laughs> like i guess i'm supposed to keep trying for my ship make the poor thing you know work you know you can't fill the tank anymore after that you can just kind of sail with the wind though yeah that was Kinda. that was really melancholy like it, it felt sad because that that boat i mean it, it's sort of a cliche to say like the boat is like a character but it's it's like a character it's it's like the it's the the main thing that you relate to in the game and it feels sort of like the girl's protector you know and then when it finally breaks it it almost feels like it's you know the the poor boat gave up its life for you or something like that i know that's sort of silly or cliched but it's it it, it was very emotional when the boat finally was destroyed yeah, all my all the hooks I think are on the not destroyed part of your ship, mm. but I think I had left my sailboat on the other side of the ship because I was out of hooks, and so I was like, "And you cannot get to that side of the ship once mm. it's dead." I was just like, "My thing, no, <laughs> my thing." I was so sad about the ship, but also really sad about my sailboat. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. R.I.P. Boat slash locomotive. Well, um, I don't know if I have much left to say about this game other than that I really liked it. Um, thank you guys for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. We are coming back next week with an episode on the latest game by Mike Bithell, uh, who we've talked about endlessly on this show before. Uh, Thomas was alone. Volume, uh, his uh, Bithell short uh, of last year, uh, Subsurface Circular. This is a sort of pseudo sequel, sequel in spirit to that and a similar sort of vibe and play style of game, uh, Quarantine Circular, uh, which I, uh, he did another awesome launch of just, you know, tweeting, hey, I've got this new game that I haven't announced. Here it is. It's out right now. Here you go. It's on Steam for five or I guess it was $6. So, 
If you liked his games, uh, check it out. We're going to be discussing it in depth next week. It's probably going to be a very short section before the spoiler break. It's going to be mostly spoilers next week. So if you're interested, uh, I would play that in advance if you got a, if you got a second to do it. Um, and that game was less than three hours. So easy to easy to pack in before our next episode. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.